Good morning. I invite you to just notice your next breath. Perhaps draw it in a little bit deeper. Allow it to just ground you in this moment. A breath is the eternal cycle of giving and receiving. So as we come together today, it's an opportunity to ground ourselves in the truth of our being and to connect with that infinite perfection, that divine wholeness that resides in each and every one of us. But at so many turns along the way, we can forget. So let us know as we come together today, as we move in to sing this song, as the music continues to work through us, the beautiful lyrics and melodies that we've just heard, that we have initiated something that expands our spiritual being, our spiritual bandwidth, our energetic field. As we come together today, let us all know and welcome the idea of expanding that moment by moment, breath by breath. And so I just give thanks knowing that. So please join me for this song if you know the words, and if not, just to enjoy the, the energetic of what this song represents. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room. In this very room, in this very room. So what I know in this moment and invite you to know with me that there is one life, there is one source of this infinite vibration. And in acknowledging that and recognizing and in looking on behalf of each person here as well as myself, allowing my words to be your words. As I participate in that activity, I know I'm shifted and changed in this moment, that there's an, an energetic, there's an opening of availability within myself, a trust, a reverence, and an honoring. And so I just give thanks beforehand for all the things that I long to experience. I speak in this moment as if they are here, present now. And so I just give thanks this day for all the blessed guidance, resources, support, vibrant health, beautiful insights, the creativity and the opportunities for the further expansion and expression of this love beauty upon this planet. And so I know this day is supported and blessed in every good way, that this, this building that we occupy this day is, is filled with the, the smoke of spirit at the highest level possible that our guidance is assured. We simply must be available to it, to welcome it into our experience and pay attention and to choose accordingly. So I just give thanks knowing this day, this moment, contains everything required for each and every one of us and each moment hereafter as well. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Do, 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 do. 
All right, well, here we are. We just finished, we just completed a really wonderful um, gala experience, and I thank so many of you for being part of that. It was an amazing um, gathering together, uh, the laughter. Um, I had a headache, I laughed so hard for so long, so I never thought that would happen, but Wayne Lee was, was extraordinarily good, and, so, and the whole evening was extraordinary, so thank you all so much. It was a wonderful event, and so I really feel there's sort of an energetic, there's sort of a, a, a hangover of that energy that I'm bringing with me today, so it's like, okay, that's what that is, because it's, it hasn't stopped. I mean, the energetic of that, and it's always so good to come together and, and, and fun and, and to laugh like that as well. So we have been, as I, as I think about that, I, I shared the story earlier, I'll, I'll share it again. I thought about how that came together, and of course, um, Sue Edwards was so uh, instrumental in, in, in her uh, help with that, and, and my wife Laura, and then also Reverend Tammy Banting, and I was thinking about it, I was going to tell the story that evening, but uh, I didn't get a chance. But two men, I was reminded of this story, two men are walking along a, a deserted beach, and they find, in the sand, they find a... Uh, a, a lantern, a lamp. And so they pick it up and they look at it and they realize it's a magic lantern. And of course, as the story all goes, they rub the magic lantern and a genie appeared. And the genie looked at them and said, okay, fellas, you each get one wish. What will it be? And the one man said, I would like to be the smartest man in the world. And so, poof. In fact, poof, and he disappeared. And he went off to be the smartest man in the world somewhere. And so his friend was standing there, left standing, and he said, well, you know what? He said, I think I would like to be smarter than my friend who is now the smartest man in the world. And he said, you got it. And poof, he turned him into a woman. <laughs> and uh, to watch it all come together so beautifully and, and to watch who carried it forward. You know, I, I love Jerry Steinfeld, uh, the comedian, who'll always say, uh, you know, people always wonder what guys are thinking. We aren't thinking anything. <laughs> you know, I think that there's a tendency to, to read too much into it, but um, my efforts and my devotion this morning is to, to think appropriately as, as we have our conversation. So we've been doing this Going Deeper with Spiritual Practice. This is a simple little book. We have, still have copies in the bookstore called uh, the May McCarthy's The Path to Wealth, The Seven Spiritual Steps of Financial Abundance. And abundance is a, is a great thing to expand in. You know, it's not about, you know, we look at, and, and there's so many ideas around abundance and, and wealth upon the planet. And of course, in, in scripture, it says that money is the root of all evil. When in fact, what it says is the love of money is the root of all evil. And so it's really about how we hold everything. How we hold our, our wealth, how we hold our, our good health, how we hold our creativity, our, our availability to life. Abundance is not just simply financial, but it's also how we hold our finances. And so there's wonderful practices in here. One of the reasons that we practice is because it requires everything that we look at in life requires practice, does it not? I just, uh, I, I was watching the, the new coach of the Oilers uh, talk about the hockey game against the Washington Capitals that they didn't play so well. And the coach said, well, you know, we're going to look at this and we're going to look at what's ours. And if it's on us, we'll fix it. And then we'll look at the individual players. And if it's on them, we'll have discussions with them. But we all need coaching. We all need another set of eyes. We all need insight and awareness. Otherwise, we get so easy to spin in the, in the, um, the repetitiveness and the redundancy of what we, we believe is the status quo for ourselves. And the Buddha had this to say about uh, practice or the, our opportunities. 
And this was uh, actually, you know, part of my whole practice. I went down to, we have a basement room full of our books, and I went down there this morning to get some paper, and all of a sudden this book was like, had a spotlight on it, and I pulled it off, and I went, hmm, A Path with Heart by Jack Cordenfield. And I opened it up, and, he, and it was right to the Buddha. And I'd already picked a Buddha um, quote that I put in my PowerPoint. And I said, hmm, this is great. The Buddha said, self is the true refuge of self. Self is the true refuge of self. Understanding this, we can choose to strengthen our courage, our loving kindness, and compassion, evoking them in ourselves through, through reflection, meditation, attention, and repeated training. We can also choose to abandon pride, resentment, fear, and contraction when they arise. So those are our choices, so that when we start to contract, when we start to go into fear, when we start to, to become prideful about who we are. I'll never forget when uh, Dr. Michael Beckwith was here, we, we, we invited him to come to town, we went to the Mayfield uh, uh, facility over there, we sold 1,100 tickets, and we were, I spent time with him for a couple days, and we went into the the chapter's bookstore on White Avenue, and his book was there, and we walked in together, and he was so happy and delighted. He was just like, this is so, and he kept picking his book up, you know, and, I, and he was just so delighted to see it on a bookstore in Canada. And I asked him about it. It was right after that uh, incident where that uh, man, uh, James Ray, had done that, that uh, um, oh, golly, Teresa just, yeah, the what? The Sweat Lodge in Arizona. Couldn't think of it. And... Um, and we were talking about that, and I said, because well, he had been on Oprah with James Ray, and he said, he just looked at me, I said, what do you think of all that? And he just looked at me and said, you know, in doing this work, you have to stay humble. I never forgot that. That was, that was his response. He didn't have, offer an opinion about James Ray. He just said, you know, staying humble is so important because humility is not, is not making ourselves vulnerable to be victimized. It is simply understanding that we don't access this, this presence of spirit in our lives without some availability to it. In fact, in the pranic healing traditions, the pranic healing tradition, they talk about our spiritual bandwidth. And pranic healing is just a beautiful modality I've been studying, and it's, you know, it's meditation, and it's understanding energetically how we operate. But we have bandwidths. We have spiritual bandwidth. So when we come together, we may walk in, and we can measure our spiritual bandwidth. If you do any uh, uh, energy work, you know that everyone has a spiritual bandwidth, and you can pull someone's up in your awareness and say, what is their spiritual bandwidth? And you'll measure it energetically. Now, you don't measure it like this. You measure it like this, one hand below, one hand above is how they do it. But what happens is that as we come together in spiritual practice, when we meditate, meditation is a great way to enhance and broaden our spiritual bandwidth. If you didn't realize it, med meditation is one of the most powerful ways to, re to rejuvenate ourselves and to recharge ourselves because we're, we are tapping into, if we understand it and are available to it, we're tapping into the divine source of energy. And so what happens over time, like when we come together in celebration of this, we, we're sharing these ideas, we're listening to beautiful music, we're praying together, we're opening ourselves up, our bandwidth expands. And our bandwidth is not static. And as we leave here and go out into the world, if we don't have consistent spiritual practice in our lives, it shrinks. And then as the Buddha says, the Buddha knew this. I mean, how many, you know, if you watch the Buddhist in operation, I mean, they meditate almost 24-7. And that's their practice because they continue that, that beautiful bandwidth of, of unconditional love. So what happens, what shrinks our bandwidth is when we abandon pride, resentment, fear, and, contra and um, contraction when they arise leaving flexibility and openness as the ground for healthy development. 
So it's standing in the courage, standing in the truth of who we are, standing in the wholeness. And so when we talk about these simple practices, simple little book that Mae McCarthy wrote, and she's had some success in the world of form, but it's so valuable because there's, it's those little moments, it's those little opportunities that don't seem perhaps significant that change everything. And then our, our, our bandwidth becomes more and more vibrant. So I wanted to start with a poem this morning that I thought was so beautiful and appropriate that I was guided to as I was down in, the, in my book room, in the library, if we call it, uh, uh, call it that. And it is from Mae Sarton. She says, now I become myself. It has taken time, many years and places. I have been dissolved and shaken, worn other people's faces. I've run madly, as if time were there, terribly old, crying a warning. Hurry up. Hurry, you'll be dead before. Before what? Before you reach the morning? Or the end of the poem is clear? Or loved safe in the walled city? Now to stand still, to be here, to feel my own weight and destiny. Now there is time, and time is young. Oh, in this single hour, I live all of myself, and I do not move. I, the pursued who ran madly, I stand still, stand still, and stop the sun. Oh, beautiful. And the world, and we have, and I have, and I know you have at times run madly. And it doesn't mean that life doesn't, life calls us to the busyness at times. And the busyness is, there's nothing wrong with the busyness. But if we're always busy, there's a pretty good chance we're not connecting, that our bandwidth is getting drained and drained and drained. And when you understand the energetics of it, when you understand when you go into meditation and you open up yourself to that infinite divine presence of, of the vibration of the Most High and welcome that into your experience, it's transformative. You know, you, you see an example of it. I, you've heard the story where a child is trapped or a loved one is trapped underneath a, a heavy object or a car or something. And then all of a sudden, there's the energy there to actually move it or lift it. Where does that come from? How does that bandwidth of energy that's always available in those rare moments where nothing else will work, but it's just like, you know, this it's experience. So it is so beautiful when we can stand still. Stand still and stop as May says, the sun. So last week, or two weeks ago, Wayne Lee was here last week. We were doing our board retreat. We talked about uh, various practices, so I just want to touch on them real quickly. May McCarthy in her book said that number one practice, first thing to do each morning, these were the morning practices, the first four. Number one, read something inspirational. Read something that is going to that's going to broaden your bandwidth. Don't pick up the paper and read how the Oilers did first thing. You know, get your bandwidth prepared for see how they did. Um, but but to, to get your bandwidth expanding, read something inspirational, find a poem. And she says, no more than five or ten minutes, but that initiates, that steps into, that lifts us up into a different frequency of availability. And, you know, I have, we have wonderful books at home. Laura reads, reads things, I read things, but... We're, we, are, we have plenty of reading material, but five to 10 minutes, and then she says, write a gratitude letter. Each morning, get up and write a gratitude letter. I'm so happy and grateful today that my life looks like this. And whatever it may be, whatever you're called to experience, 
But gratitude, once again, it doesn't even matter what you're grateful for, but gratitude, once again, expands the bandwidth. It lifts us up into possibility, opportunity. Then speak with emotion. Man, this is the best day ever. I got up this morning, I looked in the mirror, and said, this will be the greatest talk you've ever given in your life. Now, I say that to myself every week, but it doesn't mean it's not true. You know, I mean, if I get up in the morning and look at myself in the mirror and say, oh, this is going to be a disaster today, then I'm better, I'm better off calling in sick. You know what I mean? Give yourself a shot, you know? Give yourself a chance. And then she says, imagine experiencing your good. What does it feel like? What is that experience? What does the ideal day feel like for you or for me? What does the ideal Sunday look like for you? I mean, you see it with artists all the time when they put a song together. All the pieces, all the notes go into to creating what, what is in that moment the, the best they can offer. And then the rest of the practices go on throughout the, the rest of the day. She said, so this is a half-hour practice to begin your day. She says, expect leads and follow direction. These, I was guided to these books over the weekend. This happens to me all the time. Many times I'm guided to too many. I'll say, okay, God, we got to choose now. We gotta, I mean, I, was, I, had, I had about 12 more slides that I just I cut as I was going, nah, too much. Nah, nah, nah. Not that it isn't good stuff, but... You, like me, how much information can we retain at one time? I've got a great joke about that, but I can't tell it today. No time. So expect leads and follow directions. Celebrate successes and demonstrations. Celebrate successes and demonstrations. We had, it was a big weekend. I didn't talk about this first, sir, but I will now. Big weekend. We had our leadership conference uh, uh, retreat last week, and then we had our uh, birth of our, our granddaughter, Audrey who was born on Saturday night. So, thanks. I had nothing to do with it, but thank you. Anyway, and I saw that lady come in with a little baby. I'm like, oh, you know, now I see a baby. I'm like, oh, yeah, how old? You know, all that stuff. It's all, it takes on a whole new life. But, you know, to celebrate the successes and to celebrate, and, our, and, our, and then our gala was happening. And it was amazing. I mean, it was just like, you know, and, and I had my own experience of it. It's like my dad. My dad would always say whatever meal he just had would say, this is the best meal I ever had. That was the best Thousand Island dressing I ever had. I don't think my dad ever had a salad without Thousand Island dressing on it, which, do we have that in Canada? Okay, well, my dad would be very happy that we do. But once I got to the age of where I didn't have to eat it anymore, I stopped, because that's all we ever had in our house was, anyway, but, so every meal was the best meal my dad ever had. But it was a wonderful, wonderful experience so, to celebrate those things. And as I said, there's sort of a, there's still an energetic that I'm, I'm riding the wave of that, just celebration and fun and abundance and, 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 a, and a rite of passage to say, man, we've hung in there for 30 years. You know, I mean, here we are, a tradition. I wanted to say this the other night, so I'll say it now. But here we are, a tradition. 30 years ago, a small group of people got together and said, you know, maybe there's a different way to do spirituality. And maybe it doesn't have to be so weird and scary and way out there on the far end of things, but maybe it can be based actually on a lot of the things that actually are contained in, in Scripture, that we don't have to pull everything in from, from everywhere else and be everything to everybody, but that, that maybe it's possible that we're not born in original sin. Maybe there's something not inherently wrong and bad with us. Maybe that we're not here, that, that life is suffering, as the Buddha said, but it doesn't have to continue. We don't have to continue to suffer, but it's there to help us awaken. 
You know, maybe there's a wisdom behind all this. Maybe there's an intelligence and an aliveness that I can access in my own heart and being and, and not just try to avoid pain all the time. And maybe there's teachers and we want this to be our, our spiritual community. And I'm not trying to be critical of others, but man, I, I, had, I, I had that. And so here we are 30 years later and it just started with an idea. Somebody had the idea we could have a community like this. And, and maybe other people are interested in that. And, and it's a beautiful, thank you, sure. But I mean, it's just, it's such a sweet thing. It is. I'm telling you, man, I'm, I am so grateful. The, from the first day I walked into one of these joints and saw everybody, and I thought, hmm, I think this is my tribe. And then, of course, they said, here's a guy, and he, he's not thinking anything. Let's get him to put the furniture up each week and take it down and move the piano. And I said, great. You know? They found things for me to do. It was good for me to be doing those things. I, you know, I was being of service. I didn't realize it at the time, but I loved going, and I, I loved the effect. And so it was just beautiful. But I'm so grateful to, for this and the people that planted those seeds 30 years ago. And our legacy, what they've handed to us, is our opera. What are we planning today? Is the greater yet to be being revealed here or not? And it's just, it's just a choice. No pressure. We can stop this tomorrow. We can go all do something else. We all go back to whatever we were doing before we got here. That's what I love about it. I can leave any time. In fact, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> but celebrate successes. And then end each day with gratitude and forgiveness. Each day with gratitude and forgiveness. And what these are doing, those little practices, keep the bandwidth alive. You know when you're connected to spirit. You know when you're, the things are happening and you're the resonance. And if you want this PowerPoint sent to you, I will do that. You know, if you let me know, I'll, I'll send it to you via email. People have asked me for that, and I, I've made sure, and I did it last week. I had somebody back there taking names, and I followed up on that. Be happy to share it with you. So then we move into practices this week. Number one, the number one practice for this week, is she says, the deeper practices, cause, and this is a deep practice. This is giving up control. Ooh. Look at Linda. She's holding her breath right now. <laughs> Giving up control. See, because what we get to do, the, the beauty of this is all we got to figure out the what. We just got to figure out the what. I'm so happy and grateful that this is a vibrant, amazing spiritual community. And we keep, and wonderful people are coming in the door and we celebrate the people that are here now. And that there's a, there's a vibrancy and an aliveness that, that match the vision that we have of possibility going forward so we can be of the greatest service. See, those are all what's. I'm not, I'm not getting so specific that I'm not allowing the infinite divine presence to guide and support us because that presence will, will provide the how. All we've got to come up with is the what. But so many of us are so used to controlling our lives because that's the only way we've been able to manage and make it this far. Why do I need God? i got this all handled. Yeah. I thought that was a baby. I, I heard this little chuckling up here, and I'm like, is somebody holding a baby up here too? I, oh, anyway, that's okay. Tell her you'll call him back later. But anyway, so, um, but giving up control. And, and see, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. We don't have to hold it all, carry it all. The, the gala was such an example of that for me. You know, in the past, I've been so involved with it and doing all the pieces. And oh my gosh, it was done so beautifully and wonderfully. And I, I mean, I had so little to do with it. I got to show up and, and just be in the fun of it. And, and it, was, it was wonderful. 
And I know that you know, the vision that we, ca- that we have for possibility here is, is big. I had a slide I was going to show you the day that you know, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And it's wonderful. It's like it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. You know, it's just life. As Dr. Barnum used to say, teacher of teachers, we, we have eternity and not one second to waste. Love that. We have eternity. Whew. And then my opportunities, I don't want to waste a second here. How can I be productive to that greater yet to be? Choose our words wisely. 70, do you know that 79% of medical students, when they read about a certain um, diagnosis, start to develop some of the symptoms of the diagnosis. Now, they don't take the disease on. But 79% of those bright, bright young people take on some of the symptoms. Fascinating, isn't it? But it just speaks to when we're exposed to an idea, how all of a sudden it starts to become part of who and what we are. So why expose yourself to ideas that you don't want to be part of? It's not that we put blinders on. It's just that we realize, and the next step is very important for this, we just realize that's not for me anymore. I used to do that all the time. I used to run madly around the planet. I don't do that anymore. And I, I was in the, the club with everybody else that ran madly. So using denials is the next step. And denials is denying the energy of the thing in your life. So I used to do it that way. Up until now, this is how I did it. I had agreements with struggle and limitation or I felt like I didn't deserve or it would never be for me. I put that down. I, I make space in my life. So that's the forgiveness work. That's the dissolving. That's working with a, a coach or a prayer partner to help dissolve the consciousness that has created the status quo of our being. And a lot of times it requires coaching. It requires assistance and help. You know, could you imagine if, you know, I mean, every team, successful team and not successful team needs a coach. And yet we sometimes feel like, well, I got it handled here. I don't need anybody. Are you kidding? Do you know how many people I have in my life that mentor me? Oh, my gosh. More now than ever before. More now than ever before. So if you're not making yourself available to that, why not? And, you, and, and so how do you get there? Set an intention. I know the right and perfect person that can assist me for my, next, for my greater good to be expressed is here now. And then get out of the way and keep working with that. Oh, they're, they're coming. Here they come. No, 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 no. Maybe. But you'll figure that out. You don't have to know that now. You'll know when you see him or her. Facing fears fearlessly. So once again, putting down the fears, putting down that, oh my God, what's going on? What's happening for me? No, you're here and you have everything you need to move yourself forward. And how do you do that? And that takes process. That takes time sometimes. Asking for clear signs. What is mine to do here? What is mine? Where, should I move through this door or that door? And if you move through the wrong door, it'll be made clear eventually. You know, if you start dating the wrong person, you'll know pretty soon. Pull yourself back over here. Hey, Brenda's laughing. Have you done this? Yeah. Okay, see. And you're and you're still and you tie, and you tie them back with love to the universe, right? Sometimes when we meet that person on the on the trail, we or path, we just pray. Once we are aware of that, we pray for their high, highest and their furthest. Okay. <laughs> it's prayer. Dig ditches to receive leads. And this comes from the Bible story of Elijah. Elijah goes to King Jehoshaphat, who he, he, he was in service to and had great admiration for, and they'd run out of water. It's in the Old Testament. They'd run out of water. So Elijah's guidance, he was the prophet. Elijah said, 
dig, dig trenches, just dig t- trenches out in the desert. And so the soldiers went out, and they dug trenches. And then the, the trench is filled with water. They don't know why. They don't know if they hit a spring. They don't know if it was a miracle. But the point is that they prepared the table for what they were longing to experience. There's a wonderful book that it was recommended to me in San Diego. It scares me right now, so I'm not even going there. But it's called The Magic of Tidying Up. Anybody have that book? They, gave it, they suggested it to me, and you go through all your clothes, and you hold them up, and if it doesn't bring you joy, you put it in a bag, and you take it to Value Village, and I'm like, I told them right then and there, I said, look, I am totally happy and joy-filled with everything, everything in my closet right now. That was my form of denial of stepping into the practice. But if we don't make room for the new, it can never show up. Casting the burden. Casting the burden. So we have prayer partners. We have coaches in our lives that coach us and say, that's not yours to carry anymore. You don't have to figure that out. But to have, have a, a practice in our lives when we're taking on too much to say, that's not mine. It's not mine to carry. And I, and I watch myself coming and going in that, being over-responsible to things that aren't my responsibility and not allow other people to have their experience with something. That's, it's, it's hard practice sometimes, most of the time. Experience what you want. She talks about going into if you want a car. You know, if you're looking for the new car, go into the car dealership. I have this, I have a new vehicle myself. It's a 1999 Lexus. It's parked out back. It looks brand new. People go, wow, brand new car. And I go, yeah, because the genius of Lexus is their models never change. I'm like, yeah, it's brand new. It's got 200,000 miles on it. Brand new. Brand new to me. But I broke the key the other day because the keys are, you know, they're, they're plastic and it crumbled in my hand. I'm like, ah. So I went down to the Lexus dealer. I walk in. There's all these amazing, beautiful cars. I walk in. I go, hmm, I could have that one, and I could have that one, and I could have that one. I'm not going to have those. I could take them for a test drive, but I walked in to get the key. They have a spa at the Lexus dealer. Did you know that? You can go in there and get a haircut. Who goes to the Lexus dealer to get a haircut? I looked in there, and they had a little thing for pedicures. I'm like... This is awesome. I'm going down there. Next time I need a haircut, I'm going to have a trim. But you, you're in that. You're in that environment. It's like, wow, this is great. Look at all this stuff. I mean, cars. If you know me, cars are not the big driver in my life. You know, I when I lived in Los Angeles, I would drive. I would buy a $300 station wagon and drive it till it died, and then I'd go buy another $300 station wagon. Because <laughs> a station wagon, you get a lot of tools in, and I was always doing carpentry work till I moved, finally moved up to a pickup truck. But, you know, that was to get me from point A to point B. You know, when the guys started talking about the cars they were driving, I'm like, yeah, I got that station wagon over there. I paid 275 for it, yeah. <laughs> but it was wonderful. So, you know, you need, you're looking for a new home? Go look at the models. See what you like. I could have that. Hmm. So experiencing what you want, the worthiness mantra. Worthiness mantra. I, did, I could have this. I can have this in my life. And the last one, the last practice, but not the practice in the book, but the last practice I wanted to share with you is don't force anything. Don't force anything. But trust, move in the direction of your desire, your longing, but don't force it. Don't force it. I, and that's been really good learning for me. So this last uh, the week, two weeks ago, I had up there the um, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And talking about this idea of love and belonging, which seems to be, we've lost a lot of it in our culture. And I talked about these young men with the school shootings, it's mostly young men. And one of the common characteristics of it is the loneliness that they feel, the disconnection they feel. 
And so I'm, I suggested to you as a higher practice, which is not in May's book, but I think it should be, is that if you long to experience something, partner with somebody. Set the intention, I'm going to partner with somebody to help them have their own experience. So if someone is longing for love, help, and you're, or you're longing for love, find somebody that else is longing for love that you can partner with in prayer and help them fulfill that longing. It really accelerates it, to share it and give it away. Just like the 12-step program. You know, 12-step program, the way that you keep it is you give it away by sponsoring somebody. A, a wonderful... Uh, so those, those, those higher practices are really about how we can incorporate them into our own daily lives, those simple little practices, and then also seeing the opportunities to support somebody else and having that experience. In uh, Greg Lavoie's new book called Vital Signs, The Nature and Nurture of Passion. He's got a beautiful um, articulation of what I think is, can be a fantasy that we fall into about our longings. And he's talking about romantic love. He says, Western notion of romantic love was invented as a spiritual path. I did not know this till I read this. I mean, I've seen indications of it through the work of Joseph Campbell. But he, he articulates it so uh, uh, clearly here. It was invented as a spiritual path that be- began as courtly love among the nobility of the Middle Ages. And, was not, and it was not between a husband and a wife, but between a knight and his lady. It was an idealized relationship in that it didn't typically exist in the real life of medieval marriages. So it was a fantasy, which were based more on practical and political concerns than on love. So, you know, my daughter, your son, let's get married with the farm will double in size, those kind of things. Because the romantic love wasn't even on the, in the consciousness at that time. But the point was to sublimate the physical and even romantic for the sake of higher, if not religious, ideals of devotion, honor, service, and transcendence. So it became a spiritual practice. It is often thought to have originated from the medieval veneration of the Virgin Mary and was a way to raise knight and lady above the mundane and connect them to something greater than themselves. To this day, what we're longing for is more than just the love of another. We're hungry for an experience of our wholeness. We are hungry for an experience of our wholeness. We're not just looking out there for someone, but we're also looking to become the person we already know ourselves to be. And we do. It's one of the things I love about this tradition. It's like, you, you, don't, you weren't born in original sin. You were born in original ignorance. Oh, man. I can change that. Because that, that, that original sin sounds like condemnation to me. It's like, oh, there's something inherently bad and wrong with me. No, you're just ignorant to the truth of your being, to the wholeness that you are. And that, to me, is just so fulfilling and, and, and affirmative and the possibilities that arise from that. We're not looking for the perfect partner so much as the perfection of our own selves. Isn't that fascinating? Through the tyrannical fantasy of our own perfection abilities, says British psychoanalyst Adam Phillips, becomes merely another excuse to punish ourselves. So this longing for perfection out there and the perfect partner, and then we can't find it, we can't fulfill it, and we find a way to punish ourselves as if there's something wrong with us, when in fact the whole thing's a fantasy. He says this, lives dominated by impossible ideals. Lives dominated by impossible ideals. Complete honesty, absolute knowledge, perfect happiness, eternal love, our lives experienced as continuous failure. 
And that, I mean, I love that because it's like, you know, when I first came to the teaching and people say you're perfect, whole, and complete, I mean, man, that would create some anxiety because the truth of my being at that time was, uh-huh, I'm not any of that. You know, it's like a little nerve-wracking after all, when in fact, the perfection's already there. There's nothing to, there's nothing to obtain around that. It's the inherentness of our wholeness that is who and what we are. And then we have these experiences and we have people tell us stuff and we start to take on these stories that, oh my gosh, hmm, I am messed up. But we're all, we all have challenges, how we learn, how we grow through it, how we bring awareness to it. So we continue, last paragraph, what love is asking us to cultivate is reverence. Reverence. Not perfection, reverence. Oh my God, this is a holy moment because we say it is so. Because we brought this intention. This is sacred ground, not because it's unique, but because we bring a sacredness to it. This is a sacred relationship. Not because that person is perfect and deserves my, but there's a capacity within all of us to, to honor and recognize and have the reverence for the other person. I mean, if we live like that, would we have wars? If we all had that attitude that we're seeking reverence, would we have wars? We, we're, what love is asking us to cultivate is reverence, as well as the understanding that our beloveds are like the spiritual states we seek, mysteries that are ultimately beyond our grasp. And that's to, to live in the mystery. Understand, we don't have to understand all of it. Understand, and we'll never probably understand one another at that depth, but to accept it. The mortal beloved and the divine beloved are both essentially the eternal other. They're, they're apples that dangle seductively from the high branches. And would you really want it any other way? If you sat across the breakfast table from God every morning, even God would get old. So, the Buddha said, if you want to awaken all of humanity, then awaken all of yourself. If you want to eliminate the suffering in the world, then eliminate all that is dark and negative in yourself. Truly, the greatest gift you have to give is that of your own self-transformation. And that's what we stand for. Doesn't matter where you started, and, but it's, it's all about how do we take these simple little practices and expand them and build our bandwidth and build our bandwidth. I have a beautiful Rumi poem that's so appropriate for Anna, you know, doing her thing on, on, that I want to end with today. Rumi wrote this, and you know, he used to spiral around a pole. And he'd go into these trance states and all of his students would scribe. And he, was, he lived in the Turkey area of the world at the time. Rumi wrote this, in times of sudden danger, most people call out, oh my God, why would they keep doing it if this didn't help? Only a fool keeps going back where nothing happens. The whole world lives within a safeguarding, fish inside waves, birds held in the sky, the elephant, the wolf, the lion as he hunts. The dragon, the ant, the waiting snake, even the ground, the air, the water, Every spark floating up from the fire all subsist, exist, and are held in the divine. Nothing is ever alone for a single moment. Nothing. All come from there. No matter who you put your open hand out towards, it's that which gives. The source of all life. It is common to all of us. There is one life, and that life is my life. That life is your life. And to have this beautiful teaching and be able to live from that more and more and at least to move in that direction is such a joy. There's such freedom in it. 
The Buddha said, like the aerosmith who turns his arrows straight and true, a wise person makes his character straight and true. And that's why we practice. Blessings, so it is.